Thank you, Angela. Angela mentioned in the prayers about um, uh, helping those in, in need and also Susa when she was talking about St. Martin. Just to say that hopefully we can still find uh, some people to help out with a Christmas giveaway this year. We weren't going to do it because nobody come forward to help, but uh, various people in the community have, uh, have come to me and said, oh, it was so good what you did in previous years. Can you do it again? Just to remind you, that's where people donate toys and other things, and then we give them away to those who are just struggling at this time. But we do need uh, a couple of people to organise that. So if you can help, come and see me perhaps after the service or in the next few days. Let's move on with our our service now, with our reading. We've just got the one reading today, and I think Pam's doing that that reading. It's uh, uh, quite a long reading, and uh, and it's an odd reading. So I'll just introduce it. I I chose it because uh, it's Halloween, and uh, this is a reading uh, which has associations Now, just to give you a little bit of background, so it occurs in the Old Testament, uh, 1 Samuel 28, I hope that's right, is that right, Pam? That's good. And uh, and it's uh, towards the end of of Saul, the king's reign. David, who became King David, um, he's involved uh, with with the king on the other side. Now, Samuel who was the prophet who had anointed Saul, the king, he was dead. And so that support had gone from Saul's life. Saul had done a good thing. He had removed all the mediums, you know, those who consult the dead. Um, uh, And uh, he had really tried to cleanse the country from the realm of the occult. But panic set in. Panic set in because the Philistine army... Were, were against him in the valley of Jezreel, which uh, is where the Bible talks about Armageddon taking place, the end of times. And, uh, and so Saul was greatly gripped with fear, and perhaps he took wrong turnings, wrong actions. Let's hear this story as Pam reads it to us. Thank you, Pam. In those days, the Philistines gathered their forces to fight against Israel. Achish said to David, You must understand that you and your men will accompany me in the army. David said, Then you will see for yourself what your servant can do. Achish replied, Very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Saul had expelled mediums and spiritists from the land. The Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem, while Saul gathered all the Israelites and set up camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or urim or prophets. 
Saul then said to his attendants, Find me a woman who is a medium, so that I may go and inquire of her. There is one in Endor, they said. So Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes, and at night he and two men went to the woman. Consult a, consult a spirit for me, he said, and bring up for me the one I name. But the woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done. He has cut off the mediums and spiritists from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? Saul swore to her by the Lord, As surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. Then the woman asked, Whom shall I bring up for you? Bring up Samuel, he said. When the, son, when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice and said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Don't be afraid. What do you see? The woman said, I see a spirit coming up out of the ground. What does he look like, he asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming up, she said. Then Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I am in great distress, Saul said. The Philistines are fighting against me, and God has turned away from me. He no longer answers me, either by prophets or by dreams. So I have called on you to tell me what to do. Samuel said, Why do you consult me now that the Lord has turned away from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbours, to David, because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites. The Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will hand over both Israel and you to the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also hand over the army of Israel to the Philistines. Immediately Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. His strength was gone, for he had eaten nothing all that day and night. When the woman came to Saul and saw that he was greatly shaken, she said, Look, your maidservant has obeyed you. I took my life in my hands and did what you told me to do. Now please listen to your servant and let me give you some food so that you may eat and have the strength to go on your way. He refused and said, I will not eat. But his men joined the woman, women, woman in urging him and he listened to them. He got up from the ground and sat on the couch. The woman had a fattened calf at the house which she slaughtered at once. She took some flour, kneaded it, and baked bread without yeast. Then she set it before Saul and his men, and they ate. That same night they got up and left. Amen. Thank you, Pam. See why it's an odd reading? It's called The Witch of Endor. And here was Saul, who done all the right things. He'd, uh, he'd um, banned mediums, and then he called upon a medium himself. It seemed that he just panicked. 
He tried to pray, but God didn't seem to be speaking, and maybe it was because of all the, the sin that was in Saul's life that he was just a barrier, and he, perhaps he just wasn't listening. He thought he might, God might speak in dreams, but he hadn't. And then he went on this Urim and, and Thummim, which are a sort of, um, well, a, a, a way of, of divination, of uh, finding out the, the future. Go to the first slide up. Please, just the first slide. This is in the Tate Gallery in uh, in London, and uh, and shows uh, this incident when uh, when Saul called the medium to uh, to action. Now, most of us don't get involved in fighting Philistines, but maybe some of us panic and maybe get involved in stuff which is not good, and uh, maybe uh, and I'm. Uh, Conscious, and maybe Ron will just pray, th- you know, as we're going through, that maybe people have also got involved in, in things that perhaps they shouldn't have done. Well, the good news is that uh, there is release through, uh, through the Lord. Was it Samuel who appeared? Well, uh, we don't know whether it's Samuel or, or perhaps the devil sort of um, sending a demon to pretend to be him. It's the only case in the Bible where somebody sort of comes back from, from the dead in this, in this way. But certainly it wasn't good news that he brought. Samuel told Saul that the, the enemy would win and that Saul and his, his sons would all die. Perhaps it wasn't such a good idea to consult the medium. He couldn't eat, he was so upset, and that was the last part of, of the story. The reading goes on to describe what happened next. And it happened just as Samuel predicted, that Saul's army was quickly routed and slaughtered, until, uh, including Saul's sons, Jonathan, Abinabad, and another one that I can't pronounce his name. The king was in agony, King Saul was in agony, and, uh, and he begged his, his armor-bearer to, to kill him, but he refused, and so Saul killed himself. A very sad end to, uh, to that king. The story continues that David eventually did become uh, the king and uh, a great and glorious king, although he messed up as well. I want to just explore that story today and to see what it might teach us. Could we have the next slide up, please? This is the Urim and Thummim that was mentioned there and sometimes mentioned. And it was a sort of um, thing where if, uh, if the, the black one comes up, the answer is yes. If the white one, it's no. It's that sort of thing which people don't use now. But people do use horoscopes. People do use tarot cards. People do use Ouija boards. And to find out what the future is. So let's explore. I think perhaps the first thing, do you want to know the future? We've been away on a course all week and I was speaking to somebody who's had a rotten year. They've had health problems. They've had business problems. They've had personal loss. I asked them, would you have liked to have known to prepare yourself? And she said, no, 
I was glad that I didn't know and that you face one problem at a time and get through. And she is not a Christian, but if she was a Christian, then the Lord can just support and strengthen you through those times. So I don't think it is good to know. And so for that reason, I'd encourage you not to get involved in these things. But of course, there's lots of other reasons too. So let's see what this, this story from the Bible can help us with. Now you may say, well, the Bible's all a bit old. There's no Philistines around now. There's no Urim and, uh, and Thummim. Can I have the next slide, please? Sal and myself have been away on a minister's uh, refresher course. Every seven years they send you away to be refreshed. Can't you tell? <laughs> and this year it was to the Orkney Isles, which is an interesting place to go. And there in the Orkney Isles with this place called Maze Howe. This is a, an enclosed room um, uh, about as big as the office there. And you have to crawl in. Um, uh, to it and then it opens out so you can just see two sides of it it was an ancient burial tomb for some of the ancient residents but the interesting thing for me was when the Vikings came along the Vikings came along and uh, they were looking for a place to stay and uh, Vikings being Vikings couldn't find the door so they decided just to hack through the roof of this this ancient monument and, and that's what they did so uh, it doesn't have a roof well it has a new roof on it now and they dropped down into this place, took out all of the bones, just threw those away, and stayed there for a bit until the weather improved. And then they did something that generations of people have done. They wrote on the walls. And when they finally opened it up in modern times, they, they, yes, it's gone. they uh, discovered the, uh, the Viking runic writing on the walls. And this is a bit I wanted to share with you, how life hasn't changed. Although this was sort of the 11th century, sort of a, a thousand years ago, do you want to hear what they wrote? I'll translate for you. <laughs> Ophram, the son of Sergord, carved these runes. That's all they said. And Hermund Hardax, what a great name for a Viking. Hermund Hardax carved these ruins. Perhaps they weren't blessed with the um, uh, greatest of things. And then these ruins were carved by the man, the most skilled in ruins in the whole world. Can you just imagine people now doing exactly the same? Perhaps with different, you know, I was here. Um, Tholaf Kobison carved these ruins high up. And you can see that it was it really stretched to... <laughs> To write it, and then, um, and then, Ingegerd is the most beautiful of all women. This man had, uh, had wrote, and so, can you see that life doesn't change in some ways, does it? Same sort of graffiti then as now, and uh, that's why one of the reasons why the Bible is still relevant. And this man who got into trouble with the witch of Endor is still relevant to us. Thank you. Anybody recognise her? Endora, the witch's mum, yes. Endora, named after the witch of Endor, which is in the Bible. For those of you who are younger, you might not recognise her. Let's go on to the next slide. Anybody know the programme Bewitched? Yes. 
and uh, it, it, it was about a, a witch who was a nice witch, wasn't it, she? And um, who uh, was wanting to be a, a normal person, married a, a normal man, and, and then that was a mother-in-law, wasn't it, in Dora? Can you imagine um, a mother-in-law like that? But, um, but that's just one of the popular, and it was one of the most popular programmes around, and he's still going on some channels. But there's also in the media, there's Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Harry Potter, Twilight. Many of the books, if you look at the recommended books for children, have these sort of occultic sort of um, um, ideas in that. So what do we make of it? Thank you. And of course, Halloween coming up. Origins in paganisms. Also origins in, in All Hallows' Eve, the uh, All Saints' Day where the church remembered those who had, who had died. And it was interesting that Angela picked up on, on that, remembering those who have died in October. So there's all sorts of things about the history which I haven't got time to go into today. But what about the present for Halloween? Thank you. Well, some would say... Don't, don't get worried about it. It's just a bit of fun. I mean, here's three young women dressing up, going out um, for a night. It's just a bit of fun. It's, it's no problem. Some would say that. Thank you. That, I think, it, that, that scares me, that picture. Um, it's obviously of a child dressed up as a skeleton. It just looks so vulnerable. And of course, there's, uh, there's all sorts of, of dangers. There's a physical danger that, that children might go to houses. That, you know, I'm sure responsible parents don't let them, but there's a danger, isn't there? They go to houses and who knows what would happen. There's a physical danger, like I was saying earlier, about um, particularly the elderly or those who are nervous just hate tomorrow and, uh, and, uh, and don't like that. Am I telling you parents not to let your children get involved in Halloween? No, I'm not. That's your call. And I'm just trying to make aware of some of the dangers. It, although there's lots of pressure from, you know, go to Asda and it's all there and there's lots of pressure from other people, go, oh, come on, get involved. Sometimes you have to resist that pressure and uh, so but that's up to you. I think there are dangers, thank you. One is to present the devil and his works as, well, just nothing, just a, something of fun, of harmless. And I think, well, C.S. Lewis said that the devil's happy with that because we're not aware of the, uh, of the dangers. Last night, um, uh, somebody was in communication, had just become a Christian this week. Praise God that she's become a Christian she was then confused because uh, a respected Christian that she knew had invited her to come out tomorrow night dressed as a devil. What's going on here, she said. I don't understand. Well, nor do I, really, why that should happen. But it created, and there was lots of uneasy conversation, which wasn't really appropriate at that time when that young woman had just become a Christian. There should have been more positive things. Thank you. See, I think there's another, as well as sort of presenting the devil, oh, it's just a, just a bit of fun, devils, witches don't exist, you know, it doesn't matter. There's also a doorway to danger, which can look attractive and enticing, that maybe 
children and adults might be drawn in to things like the horoscopes, tarot cards, say, oh, what shall we do after we've been out? Oh, let's, let's get the Ouija board out. And, and I'm not saying this happens all the time. Lots of you will say to me, well, no, the, the kids just go out and, and just get dressed up, have a few sweets, come back, and, uh, and that's it. And, yeah, that, I understand that. And it's a bit like smoking, perhaps, isn't it? Some people can smoke 20 a day for all of their life and never suffer any ill effects. But there's also that doorways to danger. So let's just... um, I'm nervous because I don't want to create an unhealthy interest. But just a a warning. But I just want to to look at a couple of of things. Thank you. Um, Horoscopes. Uh, Many people sort of um, uh, read them in the the newspapers or, um, uh, or go deeper than that and uh, do it proper, as it were. And you may think it was well, just a mild thing, a bit of fun. But just remember that we should be looking to God for direction and not other things, and it can be um, uh, difficult. It's also um, wrong in that um, just one way it's wrong is that the planets have changed since the system, that system was devised. And so they've all shifted, well, approximately back one. So, you know, if you were whatever it was, um, uh, Gemini, you're actually a Taurus, because the, the, the stars have shifted um, in relation to, uh, to us. And, and so even if there was something in it, then you're not looking up the right one. So, just something there. Thank you. The Ouija board. As a child, I had a go at a Ouija board. Thankfully, scared me silly. And I've never done it again. And, um, and I'm not the only one. Um, uh, the headmaster of an Essex school. You know Ouija board where you put your hand on a, a glass or something and, and you, you ask a dead spirit to direct your, your hands and, um, and that. Headmaster of an Essex school was confronted by a dozen terrified 15-year-olds who were seeking help after playing with a homemade Ouija board, a simple device for communicating with outside forces. Teachers at the school were shocked at the behaviour of those involved, which included a 15-year-old boy who stood bolt upright in a geography lesson, shouting at a spirit to get off his shoulder before he ran out of the classroom and the school. A girl claiming to have woken in the night to see a person in a room. One child who told of how, after a Ouija session in a block of recreation park toilets, uh, he was barred by a spirit from leaving the building. And there's more. I, I don't want to go into more. And if anybody thinks, oh, he's just getting a bit extreme here, that um, a vicar, Kevin Logan, appeared on on a TV studio about this sort of subject and he gave out a warning saying don't go near Ouija boards and a witch was sitting opposite him who said he's right this is what he said what she said it's a powerful tool in the occult and we would warn anybody who does not know what they're doing to steer well clear of the Ouija let's move on because I don't like to concentrate on such stuff This is far better to concentrate on. So I'm just wanting to give you a warning. Saul, he panicked and got involved in this stuff and it didn't do him any good. 
um, saying that it doesn't do any good and it, it can destroy and dam- really damage lives. It's God who brings the peace, God who brings the security. And if you have been involved in any of this, then it's good to just to come before God and, and Sally and others will be here afterwards and we can just pray for you or make an appointment and pray later, just to be cut off. And God will cut off, uh, cut you off from anything uh, like this. So don't worry. In the Alpha course, uh, we'll be coming on to uh, this, this subject in, in one of the weeks. And, and also, we plan to do Freedom in Christ, which um, uh, is very much a, uh, about some of this. So don't worry about it. But we can be cut free from any bad influence. And it's God who brings the peace. That's why we prayed for these people. That's why we pray. Thank you. And we can worship into God's future, whatever that future is. It may be a difficult year, like that person I said earlier on. It may be a great year, whatever the future holds. We've already sung, blessed be your name. When the sun's shining down on us, or when the rain's coming, we can, uh, we can rejoice in God. And remember that, uh, that God gets hold of us as, and uses us, that, that the devil or anybody... Um, uh, uh, their power is nothing compared to God. Remember that. Thank you. I've already mentioned the Vikings once. When we were up in the Orkneys, we were reminded of the Vikings. In fact, there's still Norwegian flags flown in some of the public buildings in, in the Orkneys. They really identify with Norway and the Vikings. And just one story just affected me. Um, as well as the graffiti, that the Picts were the, the peoples before the Vikings. And the Picts, they became Christians through the Celtic Christians. And they were converted, which was a wonderful and wonderful miracle that these, uh, these ancient people came to faith. And then the Vikings came along and smashed the place up and, um, and came with their uh, uh, war gods and uh, aggressive. And they conquered the Pictish people. But then the Vikings too became Christians. Now what a miraculous thing that is. If you know what you know about the Vikings, and just a, um, a little myth, they didn't wear helmets like that um, with the horns. We were told that on this course. But, um, but they were vicious, they were mean and nasty and conquering people. Normally the conquering people bring their religion and impose their religion. But they must have seen something of the truth of Christianity in the Picts. So God is more powerful than these, these powerful, vicious Vikings. Thank you. And last slide. And they built churches. Each community had a church. And this is what's left of the uh, around church, which was the style of the, uh, they did. And they put the, the stones there where it would have been before somebody pinched the stones to make something else. But uh, a little bit's left. And it just reminds us that, that this wonderful converting God can, uh, can change lives and can re- bring that, uh, that joy and that, that, that peace. Thank you. And so now we're going to end our time together by worshipping into God's future. And uh, we're going to let our, our worship 
um, uh, leaders, uh, leaders, and uh, encourage you into into worship. And uh, as the words come through, let these words be the words that you dwell on. These words of uh, of coming to God and worship Him. But um, I I might interrupt and uh, lead us in prayer. But we'll start off just by coming to God.